Hello and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, your source for school-based occupational therapy tips, interviews, and professional development. Now, to get the conversation started, here is your host, Jason Davies. Class is officially in session. Hey there, and welcome back for another episode of the OT Schoolhouse podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Whether you're listening in the morning on your way to work, in the evening on your way home, or maybe on a walk during the weekend, really appreciate you taking the time to spend a moment with me and talk about school-based occupational therapy. So today we are talking with a former school-based OT who knows all of the struggles of what it is like being a school-based OT, but we're actually not going to talk about OT too much. We're actually going to talk more about his new company. Well, it's not too new anymore, but he is an occupational therapist. He still has his credentials, but he has gone on to use those credentials to create a product that is for all abilities. People of all abilities will be able to use his Well, I'll just share the news now. It's an adaptive shoe, but it is a shoe that can be used by anyone. He's here to share about it with us. His name is Joe DeFrancisco, and he is the chief friendly officer, as he likes to say, of FriendlyShoes.com. So let's go ahead. We're going to jump into this interview. I'm going to let Joe give a little background into himself and his career as an occupational therapist and how he came up with the idea of making an adaptive shoe for everyone, kids, adults. Whether you have a disability or not, feel free to check out FriendlyShoes.com and the rest of this interview with Joe DeFrancisco. Hey, Joe, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. It's a pleasure. Well, we met about a month ago in a OT program entrepreneur type of deal, right? That is correct. I believe it was University of St. Augustine in Tech, USA. USA, St. Augustine. Nice. Love it. (laughs) All right, man. Well, so I'm excited for this one. And I'm sure many of those who are listening will also be excited because as school-based OTs, we often get the question, what about shoe tying? What about the student's ability to put on their shoes, tie their shoes, and be functional in the school? I'm sure you've heard that several times already from pediatric therapists. There's always a big question about shoe tying. So Before we get into that, though, I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your career as an occupational therapist. How did you decide to become an OT and and where are you at today? Oh, great question. So I'm not really sure how I really ended up in occupational therapy. I know that I grew up with a single mother, kind of influenced me to help others. I finished my undergraduate and um, thought about physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Ended up finding out about this thing called sensory integration while I was doing my uh, kind of uh, a PT assistant work under an orthopedic in New Jersey. And no, it, it just seemed like there, there was so much more to it, so much of the unexplained. I had, had gotten the opportunity while viewing the, uh, the physical therapy stuff to watch the OTs, to watch these children coming in, maybe dysregulated, and then and the coming out. And you're like, this is a whole new kid. And and the amount of information you're able to get into their brains during the sensory stuff. And it just one thing clicked. And I'm like, my gosh, I, I would love to pursue this. It's, it turned out, I think that my family and I were kind of sensory kids. We chose sports to get this self-regulation. And I pursued it and ended up at Seton Hall University. Nice. And so where did life take you after, after college? Uh, that's a great question. After college, kind of took me here, there, and everywhere I had plans to move to Hoboken, New Jersey, and I was going to practice in Manhattan. 
Uh, one thing led to another. My roommate fell through, so I moved to San Diego. Oh, wow. Big change. Yeah, big change. I had the opportunity to get into San Diego Unified School District here in oh. SoCal, and, uh, practicing you know anywhere from high school mental health, middle school, elementary, got to do special education, early childhood. Before I had actually come out here, I, I practiced for a couple months, or I'd say six months in early intervention. So it's interesting to watch through the lifespan how much you learn and how you can implement these things you learn into other areas of practice. I give all of y'all listeners a lot of credit. School-based OT is not easy. Talking about the IEPs, talking about the data, talking about the interpretation of the data. When we got out out here initially, I'll never forget the first kind of tape recorder I had in front of my mouth. And you're sitting there like, like I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to help you guys. Like, why are you trying to record me with this uh, advocate there? Like, it was it was a humbling experience, but yeah, you you guys do great things. Thank you, man. So you're not in the schools anymore, though, are you? I'm not. I I made it two years, and then my mom got sick. She got she got lung cancer, and then I kind of I bounced around, had some you know, questioning of, of my whole life future. I had this mm-hmm. OT education in my in my back pocket, and just trying to think bigger. That's how I ended up in shoes. You assume that hmm. I would be a physical therapist, so no, I ended up in shoes. I, I hate feet. This was also influential in my decision for OT, so I'm no longer practicing. But we still do have rapport with some of the San Diego Unified Schools and giving shoe boxes for you know, certain class projects and stuff. So it's good. I, I have a lot more insight regarding the bureaucracy with my six and seven year old. You know, my, my son was having some learning challenges and speaking to the teacher. And definitely some eye rolling there when I said that he's having attentional challenges with his virtual education. <laughs> like, I don't see that. And you're like, ah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh-huh, sure. All right. Well, you kind of started to bring it up, the shoes. That's what we're here to talk about today. And so I'm excited to have you on exactly to talk about this. Friendly, when I met you, you first introduced yourself as Joe Friendly because you are, as I like your title, the CFO of Friendly. So you know what? I'm going to give you a second to just kind of tell us a little bit about what Friendly is, maybe like that elevator pitch. The elevator pitch is always changing. I hate to say that. <laughs> I've definitely turned the corner to a bit of a businessman, but I always appreciate opportunities to speak to OT. My initial kind of vision was being friendly was helping others. And in practice, you know, starting out with with the seniors, because I at some point was doing, when I stopped doing the school base, I ended up in, in skilled nursing and then home health. And then they would give us these, these, these hip kits, you know, these, these long handle yep. reefers. And I tell you, nothing was working for me. It's like, <laughs> my instructor told me this would work and outside of the stockade this thing ain't working so i do this and it just would frustrate me uh, in home health i was able to kind of almost befriend a couple of my patients where he had taken me when he finished his service and and we did private sessions an affluent guy here in, in southern california real hard worker honest guy and uh, i had to adapt it. i was looking at the shoes in the market everything was kind of you know disability shoes if you look at some of those uh, orthopedic shoes or the diabetic shoes, or even some of these like easy access zipper shoes, it just the upper is affected, and, and it's cool. But you know, people want options, mm-hmm. so I, I, I did the right thing. And when I initially started, I, I I started doing the the fabrication of the shoe just like an OT would do, a hacksaw, 
a zipper. I, I think I stuck a, a door hinge in the, in the opposite side of the opening portal. We have. Wow. Yeah, uh, no, I, I got really unique and ended up getting something that, that I guess you would call prototype. I'm, I'm not really sure. I met a cool patent attorney out here that was nice and, and, and you know, was, was friendly in regards to prices. So I <laughs> applied for be friendly, friendly and friendly shoes for trademarks. And they all went through. <laughs> While that simultaneously was going on, I just, you know, I was still practicing and then I was working after hours to try to push this into real shoe manufacturers and took a lot of, I guess, adversities and, and a whole bunch of companies that just couldn't do it right and ended up in South Brazil. And then we got a prototype and I'll never forget looking at it. It's just like, now I'm going to have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> the real, the real moment set in, huh? Yeah, the real moment set in. I had my trademarks and that takes uh, quite a bit of time. And when we got the prototype right, we were patent pending and then we moved forward and you know, in this process, we managed to, to get two patents thus far and, and more are, are kind of pending. So things have changed. You know, the hum- humility of being an OT is fantastic. Uh, my business partners are way smarter than me. We got JD is a, just an attorney and a, and a PhD with some uh, Pfizer experience and, and research and just a real detail-oriented guys. But they, uh, they're not like OTs. That, they're not willing to make as many mistakes. They're not willing to adjust. And the ability to adapt is really what influenced us getting here. They're the guys that are always about being perfect and making mistakes. But it doesn't really bother me. Awesome. I love that. Being able to make mistakes and continue on. Yes. All right. So you went through a whole lot. And we're going to break that down a little bit more for everyone out there who, you know, most of us are school-based OTs. We don't know patents. We don't know trademarks. We don't know all that. So we're, we're going to get there and break it down. But you actually mentioned that you were in a skilled nursing facility a little bit. And I'm not going to lie. I did a little bit of LinkedIn stalking you. And it says aging in place specialist, I think is kind of what you have up there. <laughs> so share a little bit about that. Yeah. So... In, in, in my kind of endeavors to think outside the box, I ended up finding the ability to age in place. When you work in home health, it's just you really sometimes in a school district or within a facility, you're, you're operating and, and big brother's watching. So you have these limitations on what you could do. And with home health, it's complete opposite, right? You're just like, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, what am I going to do? I, I couldn't even explain it. these simple adjustments I was making within the home that would change everything without actually going through the therex, right? Without actually uh-huh. going through some of the stuff that we were kind of forced to do within a therapy clinic. You know, for instance, uh, color contrasting with painter's tape in the bathroom, individual with Parkinson's. I once had a gentleman that was comorbidities. He had Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's. And the wife was just Oh gosh, what do we do? And like, you know, I was kind of a, a middle, I had five years under my belt. So I was a confident therapist, but I was like, I don't really know. <laughs> but I'm going to work really hard to help you, you know, figure out what we can do. And, and she was totally cool with my honesty and, you know, just taking that painter's tape, hitting the books, hitting uh, online and, and ma- helping this individual age in his space that he, he wanted to age in. I mean, it, it's an amazing thing to have them actually be in their uh, their home and their, their desired environment where, you know, they, they have this last chapter of their life. So that's how Aging in Place Specialist uh, started the email. And then when I, when I actually met with contractors and I, I did a, a certain certificate through the National Home Builders Association, I realized I didn't know nothing about <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, No, I stopped doing that and, and stuck to the OT. 
Awesome. All right. And so you started to go down the route also in the previous segment, but kind of talking about how you grabbed a hacksaw, you grabbed some zippers and, and created this first quote unquote prototype per se. Do you remember the specific client or that specific moment when you were, I mean, is there a story really behind it where you decided, hey, you know what, this person would benefit from it and you went forward with it? Or is this more of a, I don't know, an accumulation of items and decided, hey, I'm going to try it out? I would say accumulation. I, I had multiple people in mind. One guy, I, I would say, was my focus. Uh, he was. A, we're a big military town over here, so you know, shout out to anyone that you know serves the country. I, I think it's an amazing thing. Uh, this guy grew up with nothing and, and earned you know everything, and he would just fall and like be like, you know, I fell. And like, dude, like I got to report this to your doctor. And he's like, dude, I, I fell like four times. Like he, he wasn't. He didn't really care that much. He had a stroke. You know, when I had had him do hand stuff, he like hated me. I'm like, dude, I mean, you got to work on your hand. You know, this is important for everything. So he was stroke. So neuro, you're, you're always kind of taking that same clinical approach when you're, when you're trying to invent anything. And it's just, we're, we're stuck in it with our with thought processes or keys is, you know, this individual is going to do this from what position, right? He's going to be sitting most of the time. Uh, how's he going to get the foot in? He didn't have hip flexor to get the foot up and, 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 and you know, have collapsible heel technologies and, and various other adaptive shoes, which is great for us that are, that are coming to market. So you had to be able to keep his you know, hip flexor to what it was. So entering through the back was important. And, and that was a guy that helped kind of influence how I manufactured the first easy shoe access. When you get to that stuff, you don't want to know about the patents and trademarks. It, it, it's a bit of a, a legal wrestling match with words they make up. But when when you post, you just have to be careful what you post when you post because the you know big companies are watching. So I'll leave it at that. But looking at this individual and how to you know accommodate his affected extremity uh, upper and how to affect his you know affected lower extremity, and he did have some visual perceptual issues too. So I mean, how can I make it best for? I mean, we'll call him Bill. I did it. Didn't really realize that once you actually get the foot in, you got to accommodate that aging foot too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, story perhaps <laughs> yeah i can just imagine it's like yay we got the foot in now how do we close it up over his foot and make it so that it doesn't come off while he's walking and so many other problems that go into that yeah so. all right so i have a question for you and that is i'm sure you didn't just jump out and say hey there's no other shoe out there that is adaptable i'm sure you did some research did your homework a little bit what other types of things were out there and how did you set to be different? So, I mean, I, I did this so slowly and admittedly probably not to my benefit. Where You have Zappos Adaptive that's out there that are now our partners. Uh, they really mm-hmm. helped out. When, when I filed for the initial patent and trademarks, they, they didn't even exist. So I, I just kind of, I did what I thought was right. And, and during the process, I... I I mean, I, I'm sure this wasn't the best decision because I'm not a very good businessman. Apparently, I, I wasn't aware of any competition. I, I think there was an easy shoe and something called hatchbacks. That was kind of cool. But they, they kind of look, for me, like the fashion element is, is super important. So kind of, I don't want to rip on a brand, but I mean, not what I was trying to work toward and uh-huh. having this normalized upper. And how can you make, you know, we, we want individuals to be friendly and kind of like, you know, show your disability. It's cool. Like, you know, don't be ashamed, but we want people to have options. 
and this was the biggest challenge. So to your question, I, I probably could have done more research, but I was practicing full time. And uh, I had my son uh, that was uh, you know, under a year old during the time. So I did not actively identify all of the potential competitors. And, and you know, to speak to the, the, the patent process, before these large companies come to market, they have the ability to audit your stuff. So a large company came to market with something that was eerily similar to my shoe. And I'm just like, oh, no, we posted. And they used something called a continuation patent to, to defeat the claims that I had. And then, you know, the competitor in me, you know, kind of left frog them. And, and that's where we sit today. I don't know what's going to sit tomorrow. <laughs> gotcha. And so your shoes, they don't have, they have laces on them, but there's no lacing involved, right? No. So we, 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 we had a let elastics coming out, but that takes away the ability for tension opportunities. There's not that much research, but I feel like clinically it's common sense, at least maybe just for me. But if you don't have proper footwear and you're wearing slippers, you're going to be, you know, potential increase in fall probability. I mean, you need to have these on your feet. Slippers move around. You don't get something that we've found in the research called fixation of the footwear on your feet. So all the laces are free. We do have one style called our forces that is more of a slipper, but it is intended in a wider foot to accommodate, you know, footwear issues like bunions, hammer toes, uh, all these, uh, you know, variables that are associated with aging. So yeah, no, we, uh, I think we did well in that keeping the free laces. We have pediatric lines coming out and based on feedback, the limitations when you don't have the laces, just not worth it. So it's kind of a set, uh, you know, set it once and forget it. And then if you're going on long treks and, and you can't tie your laces, the one potential pitfall is you, you will have to require assistance. But, you know, the pros versus the cons, if you can't do it, then you can't do it. So you better be that way. Yeah, absolutely. So then how is it going to be for kids who can't tie their shoelaces, just like everyday wear? If they're at school and whatnot, what does it look like for that kid that's going to have your shoe? Are they going to have to adjust the shoelaces at all, or is it only not very frequently? Great question. So our first line doesn't have laces at all, and that's our friendly force. It's on a wider last, so you know we, we have to try to make sure that it, it does have some depth and uh, something called the instep coming across the the top of your ankle area to accommodate AFOs and, and SMOs and KAFOs. But uh, if, if the child does have the laces, if you double knot it, you should be straight. We, we haven't gotten many issues. We're two years in now, so we, we've, had, we've gotten a lot of feedback. So should be set once and forget it. You double knot it and there shouldn't be a problem. And the zipper in back should, you know, that's it. You kind of zipper it, zipper it on, zipper it off. You could do it with one hand. That was super important with me. You could actually don it without, once it's broken in, kind of like a baseball glove where that you know, door opens up through that medial portal, uh, you could do it hands-free, which was also important if you have the balance. If not, right, you're, you rest your hand on some type of surface to, to assist that ability. So you're, you're always looking for different strategies, but the, the tension is super important. I just, you know, the OCD in me is if the shoe is moving too much in the foot, it's not going to be good. I agree. I mean, growing up, I was always a kid. I had to have my shoes like super tight. I I played baseball, basketball, sports, everything. And yeah, it had to be super tight. If it wasn't super tight, then I was like down on my knee, making it tighter. <laughs> so yeah, you got to have that tension. You're right. I have the opportunity because everyone seems to be different. I believe it. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, we, we have a, my daughter's here talking to me. We're bringing out one of our new kids for back to school, and, and she's helping us name. Charlotte, what's her name? Mrs. Sparkles? No. Oh, Princess Sparkles. She said Princess Sparkles and, and gold, <laughs> pink, cheetah. And we're looking for really, you know, just to, to have that, you know, splash, right? To be able to have some swagger in your footwear. And I don't think it necessarily existed before. Yeah, we, we, we have two different types of easy shoe accesses. And in our rear easy shoe axis, which we do have the patents on, I mean, the, the uppers essentially looks like a regular shoe. I mean, that, that was the trick. Yeah. And uh, that was a difficult part. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this is an all, for the most part, audio experience. We might cut this up a little bit and get some visuals, but friendlyshoes.com, right? Is where people can go and check it all out? Yes, sir. All right. And we will be sure to link to that as well in the show notes so you can check it out. And yeah, you have the two styles that I saw was the heel cup, the one that kind of opens almost like a door in the back. It's like a little door. And then you have the other one, correct me if I'm wrong, that opens up more like a, (laughs) what are the, what are they called? The Ferrari doors that kind of open upward. It's just the fold fold open. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. So those, those are the two main ones. Are there more? You said something about a slip on. The slip-ons have that, we call it front easy shoe access, and then we have a rear easy shoe access. And the challenge with the rear easy shoe access as an OT, you know, you're, if you bring the zipper line too long, you can't reach it. Then you got elongate pull tab, and that's where that publicly traded company tried to really compete with us. And I think they lost to an OT and just one OT in that. <laughs> Making that zipper open and stopping a certain area on the shoe, you had to make the uh, the opposite side of the zipper bendable so you have a straight shot into the shoe. So making, you know, if you have too firm, it's called a heel counter, it doesn't bend. So you essentially would have to hockey stop in. We made so you, you zipper open and then it, it just bends. It's not nice and easy. And then it's easy for the individual to, to reach for it. I think something that OTs would love is we added an eyelet in it. And, and some people think it, it's an aesthetic. I'm not sure it gets used for this much, but it's for a dressing stick. <laughs> My goal yeah. is, please, I got to use this dressing stick for something because I'm not sure in 10 years of practice I ever saw it used for anything outside helping sh- shoulder range of motion issues through a, a, a an armhole and a shirt. So, uh, yeah, so that eyelet was initially made for a dressing stick. And as we're starting to go commercial and we're, we're starting to scale, I mean, we're talking Canada, UK. Well, we have interest in New Zealand. We're sending them out in the next couple of days in Australia. They don't, I'm not sure they people really realize, but now we're just going with it. It's a dressing stick hole is now just part of the friendly store, you know? <laughs> I love it. OT is making a change on style. Uh, uh, and a functional change. Yes, absolutely. So uh, from the zipper, the eyelet, what else have you guys done to make friendly, a truly friendly shoe for people of all abilities? Oh my gosh. All right. So I'm going to kind of give some information here at this podcast that I appreciate everyone being hush hush. So the simple thing, you have to make sure there's arch support. You have to make sure that there's support, a shank or something in the heel. So you want to have the outsole firm, but not too firm. It has to have the cushion for individuals that might have comorbidities. We work on different pull tabs. So individuals with gross grasp, Right, and individuals that that have their fine motor are both able to do it. We are working on our kids, and this is the hush hush. Uh, don't tell those big publicly traded companies that any of y'all have them contacts. But we're working on sensory friendly materials 
Mm. We're working on left-right discrimination. We're working on color contrasting certain parts of the shoes where it is visual impairment friendly. It's it's just the more and more information and the more se- uh, shoes we sell, the better we get. Oh, I'm having a problem, and then you know they, they kind of stick me in my you know dark area where I, I just think of how to solve problems, and, and and they push on the business stuff. So we're always looking for different things of how to make it for all abilities. Our uh, uh, push toward having that front easy shoe access was because the rear easy shoe access you know wasn't for certain abilities. So this is surely not about the money for for me at least. And it just it it doesn't my mind doesn't stop. I guess. You know, perhaps my curse will someday be everyone's gift. Uh, that that mind that just keeps on going is just I'm always trying to develop something new. I'm always trying to accommodate different people. That sensory friendly stuff. I, I think a couple uh, shoe brands came out with, you know, color palettes to to, to ease autism children's you know affect or, or, or regulation, and, and they're like, like okay, I have to see the research on that. So we're always trying to. It Google up, always trying to talk to colleagues. We're working, you know, with a couple awesome publicly traded companies. I don't, I don't want to rip on them all on research that they might have gotten through their affiliations with, you know, pediatric hospitals and all of the, you know, the context they've had. I said before, Zappos Adaptive has been absolutely fantastic. They've helped us in every way, including cash flow. When you guys get the business, they have like net 90s, net 60s, net 45. So essentially, you have to you know bring the goods here, and then you have to wait a certain period of time before they pay. And they just, I mean, they really they help us because they know that cash flow is important for us to continue to develop, continue to get information based on their feedback, our feedback, and just create you know hopefully something for all abilities. We all know as OTs that it'd be impossible to have one shoe for all abilities, but I'm hoping we get a different iterations to accommodate all abilities. It's a big thing for me. Like I ain't making a disability shoe. I'm just, I'm just not doing it. I want, you know, my vision is to have, you know, a, a, a little brother and the older brother, the little brother with the disability, like, you know, doesn't get the hand-me-downs from his older brother. And like that, you know, now he's going to take the hand-me-downs. His, his older brother that's typically mm-hmm. developing, maybe aspiring in athletics, he's able to, you know, a little brother gets it. It's like, that's your shoe. And it's, you know, it just, it keeps it when you guys are wearing the same shoes. That's a real with challenge. Maybe we'll discuss that later, but no, that's my vision. All abilities. It's not a disability shoe. I love it, man. That's great. Yeah. That's, that's full inclusion when we're able to have, like you said, one kid who needs the, needs the, the ability to use the zipper and another kid who maybe doesn't need the ability to use a zipper, but Hey, you know what? It works for both. They can both wear it, and that's awesome. So I want to ask you this one. What has been the most rewarding moment you have experienced as a result of creating these friendly shoes? Uh, you know, I've had a couple of them. Yeah. Where you, uh, you know, the first one I thought I was, you know, I knew what I was doing in, in shoe business or anything else you're getting into. I had a Ruth Siegel, a PhD professor at Seton Hall, that kind of said, hey, guys, your first two years, Play conservative. You're not going to know what you're doing. <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh, and, and I'll never forget around the time I hit two years, like everything slowed down in OT. Like I, I've seen a lot, you know, you're staying hungry, you're learning. I, I had a woman in our first day when we had our opening party at our pop-up store and she couldn't put her shoes on. And well, then she could like, and, mm-hmm. and, and she walked in and her, her, her husband, who was a, an Italian gentleman like myself, 
very family oriented and you got to take care of your lady. And, uh, you know, he's helping her in and she, you know, kind of the, the slump back and like she puts on her shoes and her posture comes up and, and she just like walks out of the store and man, it, it really was. It's, it's just an amazing experience. I had another couple of grown men shed tears. Wow. And it's just, I mean, it, your ability, and I laugh with my colleagues all the time, I'm essentially with our Tidio chat on uh, FriendlyShoes.com, we have the ability to essentially give OT from afar. And if we can't, you know, accommodate their needs, then I'm going to put them some some other shoe company that can. And that's just, that, and that's the, the way we are at Friendly. And I've had a couple of grown men shed tears. I mean, it's just, it's it's that easy. You made the technology. The ability to reach out to scale now the ability to reach out internationally it's just we got a five star this morning from a gentleman with parkinson's and i know parkinson's well neuro was like my favorite thing and, and had it, having these visual cues the other thing in addition to the dressing stick was to have the eyelet to create a visual cue for the individual with parkinson's and uh, i know this school based but the visual cue helps uh in addition to you know carbidopa levodopa and uh, sentiment and, and the medications they're having with the, the dressing window where they have the, the most volitional control of their musculoskeletal system. So I seem to be getting them as their shoes get better and better. I've become a bit of an addict of, of having these moments. Uh, and, and, and I'm fortunate, you know, to the other side of it, when I cannot accommodate it, I, I take it personally. And I know I can't touch that to scale, but um, we are trying our best with our, you know, startup wrestling match we, we got going on here. Good deal, man. That's so much going on. And and I know you and I kind of had a little chat over email and like, you know, what what about the kids in school? And you already mentioned it earlier, that right-left discrimination, being able to put the correct shoe on the correct foot. And one thing that I do like about what you have is that the way that the shoes open up, they almost kind of prompt you as to which foot should potentially go in, it kind of looks like. And you have the zippers, they're on the inside, right? Medial side, correct. So they're on the inside to also potentially not make them as seen as much. I don't know if that was part of the design to it, but they're on the inside so that maybe the zipper doesn't stand out on the outside. But yeah, I think that's great because I use stickers, I use Sharpies, I use whatever I can to try and get a kid to know what what shoe goes on what foot. And so I think that's great that even just a little design put into it that you can do, and it's not... Again, going back to, will it work for every kid or does it only work for a kid who has right-left discrimination issues? No, it works for everyone, but it'll help that, that kid with a right-left discrimination difficulty. I love it. All right. I know you're not doing this alone. So I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your partners, your everyone working with you at Friendly to make the world a great place. Who's all involved in this? No, great question. As I was kind of doing this, I, I had a CPA that was helping me with books at my aging in place specialist company once upon a time. And we, uh, we were talking, we, we got the prototype to a certain point, as I said, and I ended up in, in El Cajon, California and uh, met a man named Edwin Lee. I was treating his father and his father had, uh, he was preparing for a hip replacement and preparing for posterior or uh, anterior or lateral approach, but he was going to have a uh, the hip precautions. And I'm like, I got to test this out. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, you want to And uh, no, we just ended up talking. And Edwin is, he's a PhD microbiologist that went to Berkeley for his PhD, University of Chicago for his undergrad. And he's the brilliant, quiet guy you got to watch out for in the room. 
You know, what he processes and what you process are two different things. He's as, as trusting and honest a, as can be. So I, I met him and, and while we were working in a coffee shop in, in Little Italy, San Diego, we, we, uh, we having this kid behind us, he was like, like, why is this kid always here? He's like, he's definitely listening and he's on his computer. And that's the introduction to Ryan Garcia. Uh, Ryan Garcia is a gentleman from Hawaii, uh, Waimea, I think it's a big island. And uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's a recovering attorney. He ended up being too honest of a guy to practice law. He, he had the opportunity to make a ton of money in, in personal injury law, or what you call trial attorneys. And, you know, Ryan came on at the time. He was a child author. He's a, he's a proud father. Uh, we both really, I mean, how we develop our kids, now they're developing side by side. We have both our girls in competitive jujitsu, uh, no gender uh, lines, you know, stopping our, our killers, our gals. So yeah, Ryan came on and we definitely had no clue what we were in for. And that, that first year when you're penetrating the market, it's quite difficult. No one really knows about you. Your value propositions all need to be sharpened. Your pricing needs to be sharpened. So, you know, Edwin Lee, Ryan Garcia, no chance I'd be here without them. Uh, our brains are so much different. And I think that's so important. He's, he's a business undergrad. Edwin, as I said, was a researcher. And for me, it, it, it's all about function. So started to grow from there. And now we have a, a designer in the UK. We have a shoe dog that handles all that quality control and, and challenging stuff. So the team's just kind of growing. And uh, now we, 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 you know, we try our best. I, I know down the road, we might have to develop more of a corporate structure, but we keep it like family for the, for the time being. It's, it's all about family. We have another, is it, a structural engineer from Turkey. His name is Barack, and, and he's come on since, and he's our real computer guru. Because if mm. you say stuff really well in person, it's not going to scale unless you can put it on the computer and put it in the right, what uh, they call them, funnels. So the ability to get the message out. And as we're developing these partnerships with Zappos Adaptive, there's a company called Juniper that's out there, and it's, it's an adaptive market space. This stuff, if any of y'all uh, with your you know school-based thoughts, I know, I know we talked to the gal at the USA event, the University of St. Augustine event, the ledge aligner, just fantastic. And she's really thinking. Yeah, Polly. Polly, yeah. No, it, it's great. It, mm-hmm. Y'all really don't know how, how good a, uh, an OT mind really transfers to uh, the business. <laughs> the dog decided to come be part of the podcast. No problem. <laughs> I always tell people it's a dog-friendly podcast. Oh, yes. No, I'm sorry. I cut you up. It's a dog-friendly, I always tell people it's a dog-friendly podcast, <laughs> although your dog's good. So far, your dog's not barking at all. We'll see how she gets in the, in the future, but she's not a barker. She actually was a rescue. And when, you, when you're a parent, you just learn to kind of let go of control in your house. You just got to go. <laughs> Nothing you can do, Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, let's wrap this up with one last good question, I think, here. And that is, what do you think the skill that you brought to the table as an OT really made Friendly be able to happen? What skill do you have that really helped to make Friendly come to life? Great question. I, I would uh, I got to hear that and process it. I would say perseverance. You know, being an OT, I'm not afraid to get things wrong. I'm not sure I was diagnosed with a learning disability. Not sure I believed it, but I, I don't see letters like everyone else does, is definitely visual perception. They call it SLD, specific learning disability. So when you go into like paragraph form, uh, I would have to rewrite entire books to break it up for my eyes so it's easier to process. 
you got the tactile kinesthetic kind of learning, actually like putting it down into the structure help kind of get that in through an additional sense of but perseverance. I've just gotten so many stuff wrong developing as a child. It's, it's not really that big a deal to me. My mother was probably middle school, you know, education. She was a high school dropped out. She dropped out by age of 16. And, and I did my master's and, and I keep going. I just, I don't mind getting stuff wrong like other people. It just, these are opportunities. I tell my son and daughter this all the time that, you know, if you're getting it wrong, like that's, that's actually the best thing you could do. I mean, the issue is if you don't study what you got wrong and figure out why you got it wrong, it, it's, it's not really that good. I just, I, perseverance, I get it wrong. And then I study why. And then I fix it, and then I get it wrong again, and then I fix it. That's how we've yeah. been. You know, I, I started this stuff, you know, alone without anyone, and this is years and years before we even entered the market, which was two years ago. So, yeah, perseverance, keep keep at it. And if I, you know, kind of encourage anyone listening, you know, you have that ab- advocacy for your students, and you know, you get stuff wrong, and and don't follow the book per se. Keep trialing different things. Even even in my parenting strategy, I. I'd be lying if I didn't use uh, both classical and opera conditioning, uh, wooden spoon in the house, and, <laughs> you know, giving uh, auditory cues. I'm really, you know, the way my mom used to do it, where they hear that spoon and they're they're going to respond accordingly. And then clearly, you got to have your, um, you know, your positives. I mean, positives is is everything. But even as a parent, you get stuff wrong and and you make adjustments. And I, I think that'll, you know, surely bring someone to their best place, whatever endeavor they choose to pursue. Absolutely. Can't be afraid to make a mistake here and there. Got to be ready to go. So, all righty, man. Well, obviously, friendlyshoes.com. Is there anywhere else where people should check you out? Yes. Yeah, so we are, you know, helping Zappos with their uh, singles program. So uh, individuals with these uh, KAFOs, AFOs, and SMOs, go to Zappos Adapt. They're fantastic. And for the first time ever, individuals with these orthoses can buy different size shoes and there's no having to buy double so i I definitely encourage you to go to zappos adaptive you can get the kicks and then if you go to australia it's a company called every human a couple of the nice young gentlemen over there ambitious not afraid to get stuff wrong everyhuman.com.au and yeah no that's we have now a juniperunlimited.com I mentioned before is is another one in silverts.com in Canada. All right. Good to know. Sorry. When you said different sizes, you mean like a size eight for one foot, a size nine for the other foot? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, sir. You could buy them. We, uh, not only did we reinvent the shoe, but Ryan, I guess the competitive nature in him had to outdo me for trying to reinvent shoes. So he redid the shoe box. So we have our friendly shoe box is on the Zappos platform for this singles program. So you got an AFO, you need a size eight on the right, and your your foot without that is about half size, sometimes full size. A uh, difference, you buy seven point five on the left, and no big deal. And they they handle the returns and make it really easy for us. Nice, uh, good deal. That's cool. That's you. a good thing to know. All righty, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the OT Schoolhouse podcast. Really appreciate you having here. And I just love hearing about OTs that are doing different things in the world and making the world a better place. So kudos to you. And thank you so much, man. Jason, thank you so much for having me, man. Definitely. Take care. Take care. 
All right, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed that real and candid talk with Joe. He is an amazing person, super friendly, and he just has so much going on with FriendlyShoes.com. I'm super excited to see where that leads to with Zappos and all the other big players in the shoe market. It's going to be awesome. I got to admit, I'm just so glad there's an occupational therapist behind the adapted shoe company that is Friendly Shoes. You know, just like me and maybe some of you, Joe started off in the schools and he has now gone on to create his own company. And I know he said a lot of terms that maybe you don't quite understand because you don't run a business. And that's okay. You know, neither myself nor Joe knew any of those terms maybe two, four, six years ago. And we've gone to learn about it. Like he said, perseverance is key. And as an occupational therapist, I like to think that we all have a ton of that. So whatever you might have in your mind, stick to it. Go on YouTube, learn, listen to podcasts like you're already doing, and you will make it to be successful in whatever you want to be, all right? So take care. Enjoy the rest of your evening, your day, whatever it might be, and I'll see you next time on the podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the OT Schoolhouse Podcast. For more ways to help you and your students succeed right now, head on over to otschoolhouse.com. Until next time, class is dismissed.